Anyway, thank you, musicians, for, for your awesome song service, man. PJ played with, with the guitar string broken today. What a legend. That's, that's pretty awesome to be, still be able to play. Well done, PJ. Why don't we give him a hand? That takes a lot of effort. It's very hard. It's very hard to do that. So well done. Thank you, PJ. Amen. I haven't preached in a week and a half. So we're going to get a full message this morning. <laughs> Hallelujah. If you have your Bible, it's going to turn to 2 Kings chapter 5. Uh, I was going to preach and touch on uh, the whole coronavirus thing going on at the moment. I'll do that next week. Um, does that apply to us as Christians? Absolutely. Does that, is that something that we should be aware of? Absolutely. Does the Bible speak about it? Absolutely. And, um, but yeah, I'll touch on that next week. Today, I'm very um, confident and uh, what God spoke to me is very, very clear. And I pray that helps you all. This morning, the Bible says in the last days, the love of many will grow cold. And not just their love towards each other, but especially their love towards God. Because love is from God. And if you don't love God, if you don't know God, you don't know love because God is love. And you can't love without God being in the equation. And as soon as you remove God from the equation, people stop loving. And in the reality of serving God, and there's something that you must grasp... This is something that you must understand, and this is something that you must um, identify and process. Process is the word I'm looking for. Something that you must process is that in serving God, some people don't make it. Some people stop loving God. Some people backslide, and that's just part of life. This is not new. This happened before the creation of the world. This happened in heaven, with the devil pulling out the angels out of heaven. This happened in the Old Testament. This happened in the New Testament. As we were reading, we nearly finished the whole New Testament. And how many times has we read, watch out for those people that left. Watch out for those people that speak evil against you and your church. Watch out for that person because people are going to come into the church that are pretending they're sheep. They're actually wolves. And the Bible says that over and over and over and over and over again. And it happens today. So this is something that we must address. doesn't mean those people are bad people doesn't mean they're evil people. So I'm going to preach a sermon this morning. I feel very strongly about, I could easily preach without notes and just speak, but you need the scriptures and stuff on the, on the screen. So we'll do that this morning. But I'm going to preach a sermon I've entitled, Why Good People Backslide. Not why evil people, not why horrible people, why good people backslide. I'm going to read from 2 Kings 5. I'm going to start reading from verse 20. I'm going to jump around a bit. The Bible says, But Gehazi, the servant of Elisha, the man of God, said, Look, my master has spared Naaman the Syrian while not receiving from his hands what he, what he brought. And as the Lord lives, I will run after him, take something from him. So Gehazi pursued Naaman. When Naaman saw him running after him, he got down from his chariot to meet him and said, Is all well? And they have this conversation and, and talk about it. And um, Gehazi asked, asked for some cloaks and some money, basically. Verse 25, now he went in and stood before his master. This is, this is Gehazi. Goes back from being with Naaman and he runs to uh, his, his master, Elisha. And Elisha says, where did you go, Gehazi? And he said, your servant did not go anywhere. You look, what, a, what the heck? Verse 26, and he said, did not my heart go with you when the man turned back from his chariot to meet you? Is it time to receive money? Or to receive clothing, olive groves and vineyards, sheep and oxen, male and female servants. Therefore, the leprosy of Naaman shall cling to you 
and your descendants forever. And he went out from his presence leprous, as white as snow. This is a full-on story. We're going to break it down. We're going to ask God to help us. Let's pray before we start. God, we're grateful for the Holy Ghost. Thank you, Lord, for these precious people that are here. God, let us not fall for this same trap as Gehazi and, and focus on this world, I pray. Bring deliverance to your people. I break every demonic attack against the people of our church, our fellowship, our families. God, we lose salvation. We lose freedom and dominion, especially in this area of endurance, of patience, of long-suffering, and of love to the Most High God. We love you, Lord. We will be loyal to you forever and ever. God, we worship you, and thank you for what you're going to do this morning. In the mighty name of Jesus, everybody says, Amen. First, we want to look at dreams of the demonic. And in our text, we have one of the greatest opportunities uh, a disciple could ever have. Previously to our story, um, you heard three names. You heard Elisha, you heard Gehazi, and you heard Naaman. Elisha is the prophet of God. You've all heard of Elisha. Elisha goes to Naaman. Naaman's a Syrian king. Uh, he's a captain, and he, but he's got leprosy. And he, Elisha goes and he tells him, listen, if you want to be healed, go dip, uh, dip in the Jordan River seven times and you'll be healed. He goes, dips seven times. He comes up and he is white. I mean, he's completely clean. The Bible says his, his skin is like baby skin. He's like perfect, pure skin. But being leprous and his flesh literally rotting away to being completely healed. And so he's so happy about this, he offers the, the prophet of God money. He says, here, have some money. I want to give you something. And Elisha says, look, I'm not doing this for money. I'm doing this because this is my calling. I don't need your money. Thank you, but no thanks. I'm good. And so Elisha has a disciple. Elisha's disciple is Gehazi. Now Gehazi saw this miracle. Getting healed of leprosy is like bigger than getting healed from cancer. This is a major, major miracle. And Gehazi saw this and he is blown away. And if you heard me before, Gehazi is a disciple of Elisha. Elisha is a disciple of Elijah. So we've all heard of Elijah. We've all heard of Elisha. Not many of us have heard of Gehazi. But Gehazi has this incredible opportunity to be a disciple of Elisha and get that spirit transferred to him. Listen, God works in threes. I don't know what it is about threes. God works in threes. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. There's something about it. I don't know what it is. Jesus had the three main disciples, Peter, James, and John. God is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jacob was the one that received all the, the blessing of, of God. His name changed to Israel. They are the people of Israel, the children of Israel. Jacob's family is God's people. God associates himself with Jacob, with Israel. He is the third and is the most powerful. Timothy is the third generation of Christian uh, of Christianity, 2 Timothy 1.5. And when I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded is in you also. So Paul is saying it started your grandma, it got passed down to your mom, and now it's in you. And Timothy was, became a great man of God, a great prophet of God, a great pastor in his day because God works in threes. Jesus rose again on the third day. I could go all morning on threes. You get the, you get the picture. In our text, we have Gehazi. We have Elijah, a mighty man of God. We have Elisha, a mightier man of God. And we have Gehazi, the backslider. Gehazi should have had twice as much of, as Elisha's spirit because Elisha had twice as much as Elijah. Now I want this to sink in. He would have had four times the miracles and spirit of Elijah. Now Elijah called down fire from heaven. 
Elijah raised, uh, raised dead people to life. Elijah uh, take, took a step in the Jordan. The Jordan River opened up. And just one day, he called down fire from heaven just to prove a point. Second Kings 1, 9, and 10. And the king sent, said to the captain, 50 of, his, uh, 50 of his 50 men. And he went with him. And there he was sitting on top of a hill. And he spoke to him. Man of God, the king has said, come down. Elijah says, I'm not listening to you. And Elijah answered and said to the captain of 50, if I am a man of God, then let fire come down from heaven and consume you and your 50 men. That's a big statement. That's a bit random. Like, if I'm a man of God, you usually say, like, let that tree fall over. He goes, if I'm a man of God, you're all dying, and you, you're going to die too. And fire came down from heaven and consumed him and his 50. It's like, aren't you glad you didn't live in the Old Testament? Like, and so, that was Elijah. But discipleship multiplies every step down. It grows every step down. And Elisha prayed... God, uh, Elijah, give me a double, double portion of your spirit. And so he got a double portion of his, of his spirit. So it went from Elijah, a double portion went down to Elisha. Now a double portion was supposed to go to Gehazi. Gehazi could have been the greatest uh, prophet in the Old Testament that we'd ever read about. But most of us have never even heard of Gehazi. Imagine having four times the ministry of Pastor Mitchell. He sent out 2,700 churches. Imagine you sent out uh, 10,800 churches. And that was available to you. That's what we're talking about here. This is the greatest opportunity. But Gehazi did not enter into any of the plans that God had for him. He had the best pastor. He had the best fellowship. He had the best of God. He had the best of the best. Yet he backslid. Now why do good people backslide? Why do people with the best opportunities in life backslide? Why? Ernie Toppin, just before he came here, uh, last time, I was talking about, to him about this on Sunday, um, one of his best friends, he grew up, they got saved, they, they got saved together, uh, they served God together, they were in bands together, they grew up to all these things together, that at one point this man backslid from being his best friend, and now he's completely turned away, and now, just before, uh, he wouldn't even answer the phone, he wouldn't call him, wouldn't speak to him, wouldn't text him. They were best friends, left, left God, left church, wouldn't answer the phone, wouldn't speak to him, wouldn't nothing. And just before he came, he, his friend passed away. Why is that? Why do good people? Why do great people? People with the opportunity of a lifetime backslide. This is the reason. Some, there's like a bell going off or something. Is, can anybody hear that? Something like ringing, some... I'm not sure if it's just my ears or someone could hear that. Good people backslide because of this, because of demonically influenced dreams. I want you to grasp that. Good people backslide because of demonically influenced dreams. Dreams is what make us get out of bed. When I say dreams, I mean desires, appetites, motivation, passions. Let me break it down. Why do people go to the gym? Because they have a dream of, A, losing weight, trying to get fitter, trying to get stronger. They have this vision, they have this dream, they have this goal. That's why they go to the gym. Why do people go to work? Not just because they love their job. It's because they need money. Maybe if your boss said, listen, you're such a good worker, we're going to pay you nothing, but you're great, you need to keep coming in. None of us will show up. That's the only reason we get out of bed is because we need, we need that dough, right? Like... Rent's coming, I need money, I need, I need this. And so people get sometimes work one, two, three, four, five jobs. Why? Because there's a goal of making money. It's not just we love the job. Weight loss challenges, the reason they are so effective is because 
there is a goal at the end there's usually some money at the end oh, we just recently did one in the church but there was no money at the end and no one did it why because there's no goal there's no vision there's no dream there's no motivation and that applies in this in the natural realm but that applies in the spirit realm god has made us to have dreams and desires proverbs 29 18 without prophetic vision people run wild or or, uh, unrestrained but blessed are those who follow god's teaching prophetic vision when you have a vision from god it keeps you focused it keeps you restrained It, it stops you from living for the world you don't care about the things of the world because all you think about is the things of God and you're focused on those things because you have a dream from God. The world says, oh, but you're this and your church is this and your God is this and your people are this, but you don't care about them because you have a dream, you have a vision, you have a goal, you're going somewhere. And that, that works in the spirit realm, spiritually for good, but also works spiritually bad too. Because some people, they got, uh, the devil will give you a demonic dream. Now, you don't care about the things of God because you have a demonic dream now. And you're focused on that demonic dream. You have a demonic appetite. A demonic focus, vision, a desire, and you cast off everything good that God's done for you, all the good things that God has done, all the good things that the people of God have done, and because you are so focused on this, because this is how people backslide through demonic dreams. So let's look secondly at the destiny of the demonic. And um, how many here you've ever been dreaming, and you realized in your dream that you're dreaming? Anybody ever had that before? You're in your dream, yeah, right? And so I've only had that a couple of times. But I don't know about you. Maybe I'm a bit weird. But when I realized I was dreaming, I was like, I can't die. Right? There are no consequences. So I was like pushing people and punching people. And like, it was, it, I had a great time. And like, and jumping up. I jumped, I, literally one, I tried to, to fly. I jumped off a cliff and tried to fly. And then you wake up. It's like, because I knew I was dreaming. There are no consequences. In your dream, there's no consequences. There's only dreams. And that's how the devil works. He gives you a dream. He doesn't give you consequences though. He gives you a vision. He gives you a picture. He gives you, this is what your life could be like, but he doesn't show you the label of what's inside the dream. The demonic will give you a dream, but he'll never show you the consequences. A friend of ours got sick in Melbourne. Uh, they thought she had an infection, and so they gave her penicillin uh, to, to heal the infection. Problem was, she was allergic to penicillin. And this got very, very bad. She broke out in hives all over her body. And ultimately, she ended up uh, getting glandular fever. The hope was to remove the pain, but in reality, it brought a deeper pain. That's how the devil works, and that's how he gets you to backslide. He says, this will heal your pain, but you end up much worse. Much worse. You go through a tough time. You know, you have... Someone say something, you have someone do something, you're just struggling in your faith for a little bit, and the devil says, listen, if you do this sin, you'll bring healing, you'll bring fulfillment, you'll bring joy, you'll bring painless life, freedom, success, victory, it all comes through this, but just like that, that girl, your problem doesn't get healed, your problem gets much worse. And any backslider that says, I'm so free now, really? Yeah, you're free from God's protection. And this is why good people backslide, because they believe the lie. They believe the devil's dream. Every demon-inspired dream, listen to me, every demon-inspired dream will lead you to a demon-inspired destiny. Remember that next time you want to backslide. And it feels good. Every demon-inspired dream will lead you to a demon-inspired destiny. 
In our text, we see something here very interesting. Verse 20 and 21. Gehazi, the servant of Elisha, the man of God, said, Look, my master has spared Naaman the Syrian. Remember, he said he's going to give him heaps of money, and he said, I don't want your money. While not receiving from his hands what he bought. But listen to this. As the Lord lives, (laughs) I will run after him. You know, backslide is still act spiritual. As the Lord lives. You're running to backslide, you little punk. As the Lord lives. As the Lord lives. In other words, I still pray and read my Bible. You little liar. This is so deep. Like when, when, when people in the Bible say, as the Lord lives, that's like, I swear on my mother. That, that's how, it's deeper than that because you're swearing on God. As the Lord lives means, I, like, if this is wrong, God's dead. But when you have a demonic inspired dream, you don't care about God. As the Lord lives, I will run after him and take something from him. So Gehazi pursued Naaman and when Naaman saw him running after him, can you see how Gehazi now is no longer a disciple of, of Elisha. He is running after his dream. Gehazi's mistake, is thought, he thought, I could be a disciple but still follow my demonically inspired dream at the same time. No, you can't. This is why many Christians fall into that. I'm serving God, but I'm just doing this on the side. I'm still serving God. Am I not serving God? I'm not, oh, wow, as the Lord lives, I'm serving God. No, you're not serving God. Because you said, take up your cross, deny yourself, follow me. The word pursue means to follow, to go or proceed in a direction without following another. Make that, make, if you write this down, underline that part, without following another. You can't follow two people. To follow with a view, to overtake, to follow with haste, to chase, to endeavor to attain, to, to strive or to reach or to gain. Everyone here, this is your life, and you are following something. You are pursuing something. You are pursuing something. And it's only one thing. You can't chase God and the demonic at the same time. It's one or the other. So Gehazi left the man of God to pretend that he was serving God. And uh, verse 25, and he says, Now he went in and stood before his master. And Elisha said to him, Hey man, how you been, Gehazi? What you been up to? He said, I'm all good. That's the New Zealand translation. I didn't go anywhere. Yeah, I'm all good. I'm fine. <laughs> this is what many backsliders say. I'm fine. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm good. You were just chasing Naaman. Where'd you go? I didn't go anywhere. And Elisha says, did not my heart go with you? Don't we notice that with every backslider when they say they're all good? You're like, well, you don't think we know? You don't think we can tell? You think we were born last night? You think we don't have any spiritual bones in our body? You think I don't talk to God? Elisha, that's that's a scary thought for every backslider because it's, God knows where you've been and what you're doing. And God's with you there. And now Elisha's spirit doesn't match Gehazi's spirit anymore. And I know, I know that I've just outgrown, you know, I don't just really, catch, I, you know, the vision for our church, I'm just different now. Yeah, you are different. You're very different. You're very different. 
because you were once a disciple. You were once a disciple of the Potter's House, of, of, of Wayman Mitchell, of myself, of others here. But now you've got your own plans. And you can't chase the plans of God and the plans of the demonic together. And I know you've got a spiritual thing, as the Lord lives, I'm sure. But the Lord does not live in you anymore. And this happens all the time. Let's look at a breakdown of some of the demonic dreams. And I know some of you are saying, Pastor, can you be more specific for us? We don't really understand what you mean by demonic dreams. Let's, let's get specific then. Okay. These are the main dreams that the devil gives and expects you to chase and follow. But remember, Pastor Mitchell says the devil exposed is the devil defeated. So we're going to expose his dreams and then he will be able to defeat his dreams. Amen. So three of the main areas that um, the devil attacks us and gives you dreams in to chase instead of chasing God. Number one is silver or money. They all start with S, but I couldn't say money. So silver. You know what? Gehazi is fine serving God when he's poor. Gehazi has no, no problem serving God when he hasn't got any money. When he's struggling to make ends meet, when he just, just gets by. But as soon as some, some rich guy offers him a little bit of money, immediately that dream starts and he leaves the kingdom of God and starts serving this demonic dream. As soon as the carrots dangled in front of him, everything's changed, right? And the devil does this all the time. He did it to you during the offering. Man, you have so much more money if you didn't pledge. Why do you go to this church for? Tithe, offering, pledge? My goodness. You know, why don't you go to that church that has church on Saturday night so you can work on Sunday? You make much more money that way. Or this one, get a job in Oz because you make heaps more money in Oz. And that's the focus is because where can I make the most money? And that navigates people's lives because that's the dream. You know what, guys? You might, you'll get the money. You want to go to Oz and get money? Get it. But you'll get something else too. Because the devil sells you the dream. He doesn't sell you the consequence. Gehazi got the money. But in verse 27, the prophet says, Therefore the leprosy of Naaman shall cling to you and your descendants forever. Yeah, you got money. But you also got leprosy too. Because the devil only shows you the good side. He only shows you the fun side. He shows you payday, but he doesn't show your leprous soul afterwards. Listen, guys, make money. Don't serve money. Make as much money as you can. And I pray all of you are blessed. Work to live. Don't live to work. Make money. Don't serve money. This is why 1 Timothy 6.10, for the love of money, not making money, the love of money, for the dream of money, is the root of all kinds of evil, of which some have strayed from their faith. Tell me people backslide for money? Absolutely. The Bible says it right here. In their greediness and pierced themselves through many sorrows. Some of the richest people in the world are the most unhappy people in the world. Do your research. Look up people who've won the lottery and see what their lives are like five, ten years down the road. You'll be amazed at how many of their lives are screwed up and how many of them said they wish they never won it. Do your own research if you don't believe me. Tell you who else loved money in the New Testament. Judas loved money. But Judas lived a suicidal life. Because the devil sells you the dream. But he doesn't show you the consequences. Bible says that you cannot serve God and mammon which is the love of money you have to pick one you can't serve both 
I'll say this real quickly. The um, I was talking to Pastor um, Plummer. He's in East Timor. He says they get 400 to $500 a month if they're lucky on a good job. One of the people in their, in their church got offered, um, got, how much did they get offered? It was like 15, they got three years wages. I think it was 15,000 US dollars by her father to leave the church. Imagine if someone gave you three years wages. What you got to do is just leave the church. They didn't leave. And they're still there. And God's using them. What about you? If your boss gives you a bit more money, but you have to be late to all the church services now? So firstly, the devil sells you the dream of silver. The second dream that he tries to sell us is the dream of success or fame. He says, if you serve me, then you'll, you'll be successful in life. Isn't that what he did with Adam and Eve? Eve, you will not die. God doesn't want you to have this because then you'll be like God. That's a big statement. You will be like God. And we don't say that out loud, but many people want to be like God. They don't want anyone telling him what to do. I want to be the one that's, I, I worship myself. Me. This is who I, I'm successful. This is mine. And that sounds good. Be like God, powerful, almighty, strong. And you can have all this stuff when you're famous or successful. But the devil doesn't tell you the, the consequences though, because Adam and Eve believed. And um, what happened? They had no covering of God. They got kicked out of the, the, the area that God planted them. Isn't that interesting? Because if you're chasing success, you can never be the man that God's called you to be. And that area that God wants you, he will make sure that you are not in that area. Pain and sweat. Listen, if, if your desire in life is to be famous and successful, Christianity will not work well with you. Trust me. It, it, Christianity is not about that because it's all about lifting up others. It's many people are trying to be famous on social media or sport or I'm trying to make my name. Or I'm, I'm going to make it. I'm going to do it. Well, if you're serving God for that, you will never step into the will of God. Because John said in, in John 3.30, he must increase and I must decrease. Do I have the other translation up there? He must become greater and greater and I must become less and less. Now you can't do that trying to be successful for yourself and your own fame and your own fortune. That's, that's actually what happens is God becomes less and less and you try and become greater and greater. And that, that does not work. People leave church because their, their ego got hit. Well, I didn't get that ministry. So well, I didn't get the recognition I deserve. Well, what recognition do you deserve? What do you deserve? Are we going to talk about deserve? What do, what do, what do we deserve? We deserve hell. I didn't get what I deserve. Thank God you didn't get what you deserve. Thank God. But all of a sudden, I didn't get my ministry. So oh, that church. So we backslide on God because we have a demonic vision. It's a lady in Pastor Sean's church. She actually got saved the first service. She's come a couple of weeks. She got saved on the first morning that I preached there. Um, she's never been to church her whole life. She came like a few weeks before that. But she's never been. she didn't grow up with God. She's never been a Christian, never been to church, never been to a Catholic church, never been anywhere. Nothing. Ne ever, ever. She's very successful in life, got a very, very good pay high-paying job, bought a house, got a car, got everything in life that she wanted. And she said she was so depressed. She probably had more money than all of us put together. And she said she was so depressed. And she goes, I need something else. And a few weeks later, she went to the church. Then that morning, she gave her heart to Jesus Christ. I spoke to Sean. She's still serving God. She said she's never been happier. 
because money does not buy you, you success and joy and happiness and fulfillment. Not serving us. The third S, and you, you might get offended that I say this, but it's everywhere. The third S, the third um, way that the demonic gives dreams that people live for, the third S is sex. And we live in a very sexual society. On the plane, I'm trying to find a movie without sex scenes, and it's like nearly impossible. I've watched every Disney movie, and half of them are even bad too. It's like, sheesh, like what the heck, you know? But it's all over the place. You're telling me you want to watch TV and show me, and there's, no, there's nothing sexual about it? Please, come on, stop it. Stop it. You can't watch a burger ad without it being disgusting. What about the music that's on the radio? We call it music, but what it actually is, is verbal pornography. And that's what makes people bump their heads to it. Because they're talking about things that, that people want to say and do. And that's why at nightclubs they don't play How Great Is Our God. We should maybe try it, see how, how that goes. How great is... I don't think it's going to work. Peer pressure at school. You're the cool one if you've got a boyfriend or a girlfriend. You're cool. You're cool. <laughs> Anybody can get a boyfriend or a girlfriend. Heck, a boy can get a boyfriend these days. So you're not cool. And you're not hot and you're not good looking either. Let's just get that straight. Because the devil says, you have that guy, you have that girl, you made it. Really? Really? Now that you're saved, look back. Was that, was that solid? Was that the greatest thing you've ever done? Like just screw up that person's life. Was that, was that really, you know? live with the memories and the emotions and the scars on your heart and your life and you're like yeah I loved it yeah fantastic pornography and you should see people, people that view pornography it's because they want it out I just, I just need a release I just need to get away from it I just need you know I'm just, I'm just so stressed I need something to get out well when you do a search on their brain their brain is worse than that of a cocaine addict and so straight up when people are making stupid decisions I was like would you just stop watching pornography because you have to be that stupid to make that decision. It's insane. That's what it does. Sex outside of marriage. The boss says, it's, uh, you'll feel good. You'll feel loved. Uh, you won't hurt. This won't hurt anyone because we love each other. And that's the dream. But the consequence is you feel horrible. You feel used and abused. Um, and everyone gets hurt. I said, you, don't, you won't hurt anyone. You won't, really? You won't hurt anyone? That's the lie. This doesn't hurt anyone. Really? Ask King David that. Ask King David if it didn't hurt anyone. Because the dream was Bathsheba. The consequences was the death of her husband and the death of his son. And a broken home and a broken family forever. Second Samuel 12, 10 to 12, 10 to 12. Now therefore the sword shall never depart from your house because you have despised me. You have taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your wife. Thus says the Lord, behold, I will raise up adversity against you from your own house. I will take your wives before your eyes and give them to your neighbor and they shall lie with your wives in the sight of in the sun and for what you did secretly, but I will do this thing before all of Israel, before the sun. Just, just next time they say it won't hurt anyone, just remember that scripture. And David had issues. His son slept with his stepsister, all sorts of problems, broken homes. Most of us here have come from broken homes. Why is that? Because we come from times where the devil said, the dream is sex, sex, it's fine. But it leads to a broken home and it leads to insecurity and it leads to emotional pain and it leads to a lack of discipleship because as soon as anyone brings correction, you're so insecure because of what's happened. You take it as rejection, you run away and I can go all morning on this topic. 
That's why people backslide because of the dreams of the demonic. But can I tell you, please don't, don't accept the dream without the consequence. God is not mocked, Galatians 6, 7. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that he shall also reap. So don't believe the, the dream of the devil because it's a lie. So let's close real quickly with destroying the dream. I tried to, I told Pastor Sean that I'm going to preach for under 30 minutes this morning and we're on 32. So I've already lied. I'm going to answer the altar call. All right. Close, destroying the demonic or to get rid of these dreams real quickly. So we need to stop being fooled and being deceived by the dreams of the demonic. We're, we're children of God. We don't live in the night. We live in the light. And so we should change our mentality and see demonic dreams for what they really should be. All right. We need to wake up in those dreams and say that this is not right. There are consequences to this. And a lot of people, including myself, are going to get hurt. Yeah, like a mirage in a desert. And the, you see in the movies, it's like someone is in the desert, he's all, he's, he's all tired and, and dehydrated, and he looks and he sees this big well of water, this oasis, and he sees, oh, it's so beautiful. And he runs and he tries to jump in the water, but it's still sand because it's fake, because it looks good, but it's not actually there. And the devil is the king of doing this to all Christians, to young believers, older believers. If you just turn away from God, man, it's going to be so good for you. But then you go to taste that water, but it's sand. And this is what every person, you need to establish this, that the devil is a liar as well as his boyfriend. And you need to see him for what he truly is. And not see it, oh man, they're cool. They are not cool. It is not cool to ruin your life. It is not cool to ruin someone else's life. It is not cool to live in eternity in hell forever and ruin the plans of God and ruin churches and families and ministries and people. That is not cool. Stop believing the coolness of this world. It's cool. Tell you what's cool. Living for God and serving the true Savior. Listen, when we surrender to God, like they say at the conference, we're not surrendering to Hitler. We're not surrendering to to some horrible person. We're surrendering to the King of Kings, the Lord, our Father, who loves us more than you can imagine. And so instead of turning to the devil, man, that dream looks really, really good. You're going to die. So I say, Red, playing on the road looks really, really fun. There's a truck coming. And many people say, yeah, but I'm just going to do it for a little while. Then I'll come back. Man, that truck will come and you can't walk after that. And then we'll be talking, come back to to God, come back to church. I just can't. Because you believe the devil's lie. And he's a liar. And every time he speaks, he's a liar. So stop believing the lies. Stop dabbling. Stop dreaming the devil's dreams. And what we need is a vision from heaven. And when you have a dream from heaven, man, everything changes. So how do we know if our dream is from God or the devil? Right? Some people think they're following God, but they're not. They're following the devil. So how do we know? Three ways. Number one, God's dreams are always for eternity. The devil's dreams are always for the temporary. Number one, Gehazi, money is for today. But discipleship is for all eternity. And all the precious people that would have been blessed through discipleship. Imagine if Pastor Mitchell just decided to get money instead of um, discipling people. None of us here would be saved. 2,700 churches wouldn't be around the world. So God's dreams are for eternity. The devil's dreams are for temporary. If your dream is for the temporary, can I tell you, it's not from God. Number two, God's dreams align themselves with the word of God. God's dreams align themselves with the word of God. Because the, the, remember, the, the devil tried demonic dreams with Jesus, right? He says, if you bow to me, I'll give you all the nations of the world. And Jesus says, heck no. You only bow to the Lord, uh, uh, the Father in heaven. God is the only one that we serve. If your dream is not found in this book, if it's only found in the book of Mormon, you have some serious issues. It must be found in this book. And if you can't find it in this book by the word of God, it is not a dream from God. Guaranteed. We're not, we don't need another testament. All right? Amen? 
Hallelujah. Are you with me here? Got quiet all of a sudden. I don't want to read the Testament of Sione or whatever it is. Like, I don't, want, I don't want that. We've got Jesus. That's all we need. And the third way to know if your dream is from God or for the devil, God's dreams are always about others. And the devil's dreams are always about self. So good news today. Maybe you're sitting here and halfway through the sermon, you're like, oh, snap, I've been following the demonic dream. You're like, oh, heck, what am I going to do here? The good news is that your life's not over yet and you can change and God can turn things around. Can you, can you, you don't have to be like Gehazi. Can you imagine if Gehazi on his way to walking to Naaman, so I'm going to get this money, then all of a sudden he's like, ah, this isn't right. Imagine if he turned around. Imagine at that point, he said, I'm, I'm not going to do it. And he went back to Elisha. He said, Elisha, look, I was, I was started to go down this direction, but I stopped and I've, I've come back to you. He wouldn't have got leprosy. He wouldn't have got all these issues. He would have got all these problems. And so the good news is that, is that your life's not over. You can turn around. And it doesn't matter where you're at today. One of Pastor Mitchell's famous quotes, I can't believe he didn't say it this week. He said a lot of other things. We'll get to that in another sermon. But Christianity is not about where you are today. It's about what you can become in Christ. And that's the hope of Christianity is that, but look where I am right now. It doesn't matter where you are right now. That's the hope of Christianity is that God could take you to places you never thought possible. And what we need is a dream from God to say, God, I don't want to be like this anymore. God, I want to follow your dreams. Think about Noah in the ark, 120 years. He's faithfully laboring and it, it didn't work well. It didn't, he had problems. He had issues. 120 years, no one got saved. No one believed him. The only ones that believed him were his sons. And I'm sure he probably got sick of them too. And he finally, but he does it and he stays faithful because he had a dream from God. And what we need is a dream from God for eternity that we can keep going. Think of, I've told you many st- times about the story of the parachute. There's a man on a plane and, and they don't have many parachutes. And so they, they, they give out this one guy that says, you have to wear this parachute on the whole plane. He says, I don't want to wear the parachute the whole plane. It's uncomfortable. I'm sitting there. People are laughing at me. People are mocking me. Why are you wearing that stupid parachute for? And so halfway through the plane ride, he takes it off because he's like, I don't, I don't want to wear this. This is heavy. This is hard. This is, this is, I don't want to do this. I want to be comfortable. But imagine if they said, listen, this plane's going down in five minutes and there's not enough parachutes. Wear this parachute. He would have been sitting there uncomfortable. People would be mocking him. Look at him going to that stupid church and listening to that stupid gospel, listening to that stupid pastor. They're mocking him. He's like, I don't care because I've got a parachute and this plane's going down. I don't care what you say. I don't care how uncomfortable it is. I'm not going to die here. I've got this parachute. And that's how you need to live your life. Yeah, t- times of life is going to be uncomfortable. Times of life it's going to be hard. Times of life it's going to be stressful and all these sorts of things. Absolutely. But this, this plane is not our home. We're not staying on this earth, just in case you realize. I hope you realize that. We're only here for a little while. We need to have a vision of eternity. So I need to get to heaven. And if it means being uncomfortable here, so be it. Because I prefer to be uncomfortable now and live in paradise forever than have this fake paradise, which isn't paradise at all, and live in a devil's hell forever. Do you know how many prophecies we've had over our church? Every time I go to a revival somewhere, they, the pastor always calls me out and gives a prophecy to our church. I try and hide now. We've had prophecies of our church that about fearless young men being in our church. We've had prophecies in our church about, about many islanders, especially Tongans, coming into our church. We've had prophecies in our church about we're going to be sending out churches. We've had prophecies over our church that we're going to be a, we're going to be a conference center. That means that you, in our fellowship, to have a conference, you have to send out 25 churches. We've had so many prophecies of our church saying this church is going to be a conference center, and I believe that with all my heart. And there's times going to be tough, and times going to, but it's going to be hard. But I have a vision from God, and that's that's where we're going. We're going somewhere. I'm not so focused on, but today wasn't a good day. Oh, I'm going to quit everything. No, come on, man. Grow up. We're going somewhere. We're moving forward. Things are, things are happening. And I pray that we can continue on that. 
I close with this. Two, one scripture and one final thing. We all know John 6 is when the disciples left Jesus because it got too hard. But let me read you what the other disciples said. It says, and it is the spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. And, you know, I could preach all day on that too. But the words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. But there are some of you who do not believe. He said that to his disciples. But Jesus knew from the beginning those who do not believe and who would betray him. Sometimes it's better not to know who's going to betray you, right? And he said, therefore, I've said to you that no one can come to me unless it's being granted by, him, by my father. And from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. Many of his disciples, Jesus' disciples left. And then Jesus said to the twelve, do you also want to go away? But Simon Peter answered and said to him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. The only life worth living is the words from this book. Where are you going to go? What are you going to do? There's only, the life is only found here. So, so what are you going to do? There's no other option. Do you know what the name Gehazi means? It means the valley of sight. So that's interesting. Because you can either choose to see the devil's dreams or God's dreams. But it's your choice. You choose what you see. You choose which way you follow. And this is why good people backslide. So I pray with bottom of my heart. Don't believe the devil's lie. It's fake. It's got consequences. But with Christ Jesus, there is only blessing. Would you say amen with me this morning? Amen. Let's bow our heads. Let's pray. Hallelujah. Appreciate everyone's attention this morning.